They are corrupt, their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned away, all have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Do all these evildoers know nothing? They devour my people as though eating bread. They never call on the Lord. But there, are, there they are, overwhelmed with dread, for God is present in the company of the righteous. Your evildoers frustrate the plans of the poor, but the Lord is their refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion when the Lord restores his people. Let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. Just going to pray for Graham before he preaches. Um, I just want to say also, there are some cards on the table at the back if you want to make a Valentine's card for any one of you younger ones. Um, feel free, there's also some other things to do there. Let's pray for Graham. Thank you. Dear Lord, we thank you for Graham and his willingness to come and speak to us this morning. We pray that God will speak through him to all of our hearts. And give us the message that you want us to, to hear. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Keith. <coughs> and uh, I noticed as I walked to the front here, a lot of you went to the back and got the cards to uh, fill in. Actually, I'd like to make a card for Keith, really. You know, it seems to be that he's running a bit low. <laughs> <laughs> It's good to be with you again. Two or three times I think I've been here now. It's been nice to get invited back again. As they say, normally, anyone gets invited once, but if you get asked to come back again, you're doing reasonably well. Well, you've obviously been doing a series on the Psalms. And because I was sent the uh, particular Psalm that was requested for me to speak about today, and with some indication as to how I might speak about it. So uh, thank you very much for that, and I hope to do justice to that, and hopefully it will fit in with your series. 150 psalms are contained in the Psalter, uh, and although David has written a number of them, that's King David, the fact of the matter is they are spread across a lot of years. The actual Psalter is probably hundreds of years in its chronology. You tend to think it's like one section or one book, but it isn't. And therefore, the Psalms do a variety of jobs. Uh, sometimes they're identification with how they're feeling, sometimes they're exuberant praise, sometimes they're prayers, a whole range of them. So, what would we discover if we looked at? Psalm 14. In fact, if you read to Psalm 53, you might be tempted to think you've got deja vu, because it uh, looks very much the same. There's really only a couple of lines where it's different. Well, this really is about teaching in life. I think it was Rachel, your MIT, Well, it's really some means by which we can gain 
the ability to live in life. So I call it life teaching from Psalm 14. And the very start of the psalm gives us a clue as to what David is trying to say. So I don't know whether you can go first. Oh, it's not quite. That's good. Now, the important thing, lest we go off on a tangent, is to understand <coughs> what was being said by this idea that the fool, that's right, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. What does that actually mean? And then I'll come to the main point I want to give it It does not mean that you are intellectually incapable of understanding, therefore, you don't believe in God. That's the important place to start. There are very, very many very clever people, very intellectual people, but have not been able to package it together in such a way, in fact, they would say, no, I, I'm not able to say there is God. That is not what David is talking about. And that might just sort us out at the beginning. In actual fact, the word that David uses is the word Nabal. There's about three Hebrew words for fool, um, and it's Nabal. So when I put this picture up, because there might be some young folk in there, you know, the idea of a court jester, medieval times, Renaissance times, entertaining the king or other people, the idea of, you know, funny stories and funny actions and so on, you know, conjures up the picture of the fool and in actual fact, it would not be a correct understanding of what David was trying to say. Now, what he was saying when he used the word neighbor was actually someone who does not want to acknowledge the presence of God because their moral life won't let them. Have you got me? In actual fact, if you were to translate that phrase, it would be, the fool has said in his heart, now remember, he didn't say in his head, get the idea? The intellectual bit. The fool has said in his heart, and in fact, the phrase, there is no God, is not in the Hebrew. The fool has said in his heart, no God. You understand that? I don't want to acknowledge the presence of a higher authority because I want to live as I want to live. I think actually it's quite interesting that when you do surveys, there's a lot of people that are, people say that they're agnostic, which is like the middle ground, really. And that is, I'm not really sure on everything else. Actually, this is addressing people that say, I don't want there to be a God that is a moral God, and that actually is looking for me to be what I'm meant to be. 
And once we get hold of that, I think we can actually then begin to unpack it. And I've given the title for the first uh, point I want to make. And that knowledge isn't therefore wisdom. Knowledge isn't wisdom. Someone said, uh, knowledge is knowing what to say. Wisdom is knowing when to say it. Yeah? I'm sure many of us have been in that position where we've got to take our foot out of our mouth. But the truth of the matter is that there's a knowledge, the acquisition of facts and so on and so forth, but there's a wisdom that actually has to do with, I know about this, but actually, should I do that? And this is what David is trying to talk about. When the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, remember he accompanied Paul and in fact Timothy who he left in Ephesus when Paul travelled on to pastor the church there. And he wrote to him and in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 to 4. But understand this, he says, that in the last days, that's before Jesus comes again. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now, without being too depressed about it all, uh, there is some points of identity there. I'm sure you will agree with that. I want to just try and make a point that the more we travel away from the idea of the Creator, the more we travel towards the creation. I say it again. The more we travel away from the creator, we tend to travel more towards creation. In the last 20 years at least, there have been more books that have been produced, probably from good motives, about loving yourself. You know, people have had difficult times and People have gone through uh, rejections and all sorts of things. And the word on the street is, you need to love yourself. You need to love yourself. And there's something commendable about that, really. That, you know, people have got that very little self-worth and things like that. So there's been a kind of emphasis to try and uh, get yourself to value yourself and not to put yourself down. And I don't have a problem with any of that. But actually, after a while, and it's true of penguins, they swing from one side to another. And often they go up the other side, and you think, oh, bring it down again. And what happens is that we become very, very focused. If you happen to fall into Facebook, you will see no end of small, trite, Comments, and they're all about 
yourself. Trust me, you just look and you'll see that everyone, everyone posting all over the place. And the focus, and the focus is the self today. You see? And that is an indication of a swing <coughs> that moves from creator to creation. Alright? And so David was, in all those years, I mean, he lived around the thousand BC, you know, and he was king, but he was very much aware of what was going on with people. Lovers of self, then it becomes lovers of pleasure. So we seek the things that gratify. You're probably thinking, well, as Christians, that's not us. But I think it's true because we happen to live in the society we live in. You know, we might not be of it, but we're certainly affected by it, the world. And so much so that the, the main views, and it starts to build and build and build. And wisdom, wisdom has to say, is this right? It is the acquisition of knowledge. I used to say to people, it's not that we can do something, whether that's in medical ways or all sorts of ways, it's not that we can't do something now, should we? Is it appropriate? I've got a friend who's uh, an advisor in medical ethics. You understand what I'm saying here? We can do this. His role is to say, should we? Does this make sense? And as we, in fact, consider those things, where do we get the source? Where do we get the source of that wisdom? And that, for me, is, I think, what David is trying to say here. The fool has said in his heart, that what suits me. Don't get it, you know, don't even fear God. Why do you think, and it goes on later in the, in the verses to talk about how people, um, you know, abuse other people? Just think for a minute of the persecution of Christians. A lot of Christians do an awful lot of good. 25% of this national economy is based on the volunteer work done by Christians in churches. If you were to remove the volunteer work and the needy work and all sorts of things, it would have to be paid for or not done. That would be the amount of 25%. Thank you. 
And of course, it, you know, because the Bourbon is So it's not surprising then that uh, this particular psalm talks about no one really didn't know that it was all had come short of the glory of God, as it says in the New Testament. So, many years ago, you think of the other way around as I got older, as I retired from Baptist ministry, um, in terms of the second pastor, I'm so involved in ministry and Baptist churches, but uh, in terms of the second pastor, I used to do bowling, not tenpin bowling, where the ball tends to go straight. These are the ones where the ball has got a bias in them, either green bowling, crown green, and so on. There's a picture there for you. And uh, it's ever so interesting, really, because if you took the bowling ball and you rolled it along, you'd know where it wants to be. But because of the bias that's in it, it doesn't go straight. I remember on one occasion we were lots of different uh, ladies or links, and, and um, I had the wrong bias on it. Instead of it going to the left, right, I got the wrong way round. And I actually did quite a good shot on the wing next door. Which I didn't count, of course. But the point I'm showing you this is that there's a bias in the bowling ball, so you bowl it out so that it comes in because of its bias. And what we're saying here, what David is saying here is that actually all of us, because we are fallen, changed from when we started, we have a bias. We have a bias. I love the story of the boy that came home from school. And you know when they come in from school, the phrase is, I'm starving. On this occasion, Mum was not in the kitchen. And he went to the cupboard, what the some of us older ones might call the larder, looking for the biscuit tin. And he got in and he found the tin and he takes the biscuit and Mum comes in. And I've got a sixth sense. And she said, what are you doing? And she said, what have I told you? When you get tempted, saying, get thee behind me, Satan. He's obviously a lady from the authorised version. <laughs> get thee behind me, Satan. And the little boy, or rather, I did, Mum, and he got behind me and he pushed me in the way. <laughs> Like the spokes on a wheel, the centre is gone. 
What's the best for us? We sung it this morning. What's the best for us? And the only way is that we're going to have to trust, trust Jesus more and more. And we're going to have to trust that His Spirit will work in us. Because we're becoming unable to discern the right way. With all due respect, I think the bishops are struggling. I'll tell you this, we need more of the Bible and the Spirit, not less of it. Not, not, not less of it. But you see, once the fool says in his heart, no God, it becomes everything else is what's important. What society wants and everything else. I'm sorry if I offend. But I want us to get back to what he wants. Because I believe that long-term benefits for all of us are the best. And James said this. signposts that are going on. I tell you, if you were driving a car, you'd never have a clue. And he says, there is a way. David knew it, a thousand BC. We know it. Let's walk in it. Let's be squeezed into the night. I believe he will be
Thank you, Graham. We're going to close our service by singing In Christ 